And before we get started, I got a quick question for you. Did you put Christmas on a credit card? One of the big challenges that American families are dealing with every single year. I read a study a couple of years back that said the average family spends six or seven months trying to pay off the credit card debt. They racked up over the Christmas holiday. But what if there was a better way to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments? Here's something to think about. The money you borrow on your credit cards is the most expensive money you've borrowed yet. We're talking interest rates, 19, 21, 28%. You would never consider getting an interest rate like that on your house or car. Why is it okay on your credit cards? It's not. It's silly. You're throwing away your own money. There is a faster, cheaper, better way to get out of debt. It's SaveWithConrad.com. Now, as a reminder, the interest you pay on your mortgage, well, that's tax deductible. But the interest you're paying to Visa or MasterCard or Discover or American Express, dude, you're just throwing all that away. Keep more of your own money and get out of debt right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Yes, you're going to get a better rate. Yes, you're going to get a greater tax deduction. And most importantly, yes, you're going to get a cheaper monthly payment. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And now is the time to do this. We've got better rates than we've ever had before, but I don't know how long this will last. It could all end tomorrow. Don't get stuck making minimum payments. Go ahead and hit the reset button. And oh, by the way, get the best interest rate on a mortgage you've ever had. You see, once you've obligated yourself to your existing mortgage and this credit card debt, it's up to you how you pay it back. It's your debt now. And now it's something you got to deal with. Well, doesn't it make sense to get the best rate and the cheapest monthly payment possible? Doesn't it make sense to pay your house off as fast as possible with the cheapest monthly payments? A lot of our listeners have converted their 30-year loan down to just 15 years. And if you want to get rid of your credit card debt, if you want to pay your house off in half the time, you can do it right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And man, if I can't save you some cash, I won't waste your time. First Family Mortgage is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084. Equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's right. You don't have to make your January or your February payment. You're done until March 1st. We're licensed in more than 40 states. What are you waiting for? Go to SaveWithConrad.com right now. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Steven Singer, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Well, Steven has a ready-for-love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. And don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com, fast, free, and safe shipping. 
It's Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. Geico.com. Easy. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. We greatly appreciate you being here. And of course, we're joined by the one, the only, the controversial Eric Bischoff. Eric, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm a little disappointed though. I think my, my controversy King crowned is, is going to someone else. There's so much controversy going around in the world today that I'm having a hard time keeping up, but I am going to do my best in this, uh, this platform, this mean tweet idea that you came up with may be <laughs> the way for me to reclaim the crown that I rightfully deserve. Yeah. We're trying a lot of new stuff here in November for uh, adfreeshows.com. Of course. Uh, the biggest announcement we've had, uh, maybe, uh, so far is that we dug up, well, that's probably the wrong thing to say. We found Jim Hurd, and, uh, we've dusted him off for a little interview, a retrospective 20 years deep, but that's not what people really want. Eric, uh, you and I have talked to a lot of our ad free shows, top guys, and they tell us one by one, their favorite thing is Eric fires back. And this is sort of the next iteration of that. Eric, we're going to have you read mean tweets and we're calling this episode mean tweet receipts and we're doing it on video so lots of new stuff here happening at adfreeshows.com i'm so excited i am thrilled to death to be here i love this idea you and i have been talking about it for some time i tried to to do one solo several i tried to do solo and they they sucked so badly that i wouldn't even share them with anybody including you um, because they were just so horrible. But when you told me about this format, I went, wow, this could really be fun. This could work. So I, I went to bed early last night. You know, I, I, I got up early this morning. I started pounding caffeine about six o'clock this morning and, uh, I'm ready for it, brother. Well, let's get to it. I can't believe we're actually doing it. And this is a real thing. Uh, I'm going to read you a mean tweet that someone has sent your way, and then you're going to respond to it. Uh, here on adfreeshows.com. Let's get going. Our very first one is from Rock Boy JJ. He says, RIP, hashtag AEW. Eric Bischoff is somehow fuck up everything. He's a natural jinx. Dot, dot, dot. Honestly, we want women's matches, but this piss ant is back on my screen. If this is a one off, then fine. But if there's a deal in place, dot, dot, dot. Basically, a middle finger to a lot of people. Hashtag AEW dynamite. Well, rock boy, everybody yourself included is entitled to an opinion. The facts, however, seem to contradict your personal feelings. And I'm, I'm fine with the fact that you you don't enjoy seeing me on the screen. That's fine. Um, but you know, to suggest that I quote unquote, fuck up everything I think is a reflection of the fact that you're a low information fan and that you fail to recognize that yours truly has probably done more to revitalize the entire industry of professional wrestling than anyone 
other than Vince McMahon himself. The fact that you're even talking about AEW and your apparent premature ejaculation of disdain for my single, now I've been on the show twice, I, I think probably says to me a lot more about what you really know about the industry. The fact is AEW wouldn't be on TNT if it weren't for the success that I initiated, that I was a catalyst for back in the 90s. And, and that the WWE eventually, it took them a while, responded to, hence the Monday Night Wars and the success of what many people consider to be the golden era. If you look at my track record of successes, and yes, there were failures. Yes, there were shortcomings. No doubt about that. Any creator, any innovator, no matter in what walk of life, has experienced those same types of things. But when you look at the fact that AEW is a live two-hour show, when you look at the fact that the anchor talent on that show, Chris Jericho, really made his name because I created the, the, the not-so-controversial um, cruiserweight division, which elevated Chris Jericho, and even to this day, AEW, to the heights and success that they're currently experiencing – if you, if you fail to recognize that the reality that I brought into the wrestling format that literally changed the way wrestling was being presented, if you decide that you want to forget about all that and hang on to that mean-spirited, rather ignorant perspective that you have, well, I, you know, what can I say? Go through life as best you can, but at the end of it, when you look back on your life and you realize just how miserable it's been, recognize in your last moments that it's because you have such a distorted, limited, and ignorant view of the world. And I'd like to see more women on wrestling too. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with me, by the way. Um, <laughs> hey, you want to see more women on? I get it, man. I get it. A lot of people feel that way. But what exactly does that have to do with me? And I'm sure that Tony Khan and everybody else in, in, in AEW are relieved that in your opinion, if my appearance when you re when you wrote this tweet was a singular appearance and that in your mind is okay, I'm sure there is a just a profound sense of relief amongst everybody in AEW. In short, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't know how we can beat that. Uh, oh, we will. Trust me, we will. I am. I am. I am on jet fuel caffeine this morning, brother. Haman Karn writes, it was aimed at you saying that Bish's involvement is a promising sign. Eric Bischoff was a genius for exactly two years and everything he's done since as a booker has been absolute dog shit, whether he's been given free reign or he's having to listen to a senile old man, it's bad. I'm having a hard time responding to this incoherent train of thought. Haman Karn hands you a Gaza dash C. I don't, your, your fucking handle is hard to even figure out. So everything subsequent to it is, is only worse. Um, I was in a, I was a genius for exactly two years, exactly two years. I was a genius by creating a live two-hour format that changed the industry together. I don't want to be repetitive and respond to the in a similar fashion as I did to the previous nonsense. 
but there's a lot of parallels here. I'm not sure what senile old man I'm having to listen to. Um, but look, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm proud of what I've accomplished as a, a creative person in the professional wrestling industry. I look back at it fondly. And many of the people that you're watching today, a lot of the programming that you're watching today is, 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 is a result of not just two years of genius, but an extended, in fact, I think I'm going on 65 and a half years of genius. So Haman or Haman Karn hands you a Gaza, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. You know, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't listen to anybody really. Um, especially ignorant, illiterate emojis on Twitter. So, you know, go on with your life, brother. Or sister, whatever it is. Or sister, yeah, I have no idea. Hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever drive sober or get pulled over paid for by NHTSA. Whether you own or rent Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today. Grape Cassidy, not orange Cassidy says, I don't know. I don't know much about Eric Bischoff. But he seems like a tool whenever I see him speaking. And he also forced Mysterio to unmask. So fuck him. Well, great. <laughs> I mean, come on. How could you possibly take somebody who comes up with a Twitter handle of Grape Cassidy? That's very fucking original, Grape. Um, you're right. You don't know much. In fact, you know nothing at all about me. And that's reflective in the, in the comment that you made. He seems like such a tool whenever I see him speaking. Well, perhaps you missed my TED talk, which was still being touted today as one of the most influential TED talks uh, that took place in, uh, at that event that I was at a couple of years ago. Perhaps you haven't seen the success that we've created over 83 weeks. Perhaps you don't realize that my following on social media generally is very active, very supportive, and appreciative of, of the comments that I made. And yes, I forced Ray Mysterio to take off his mask. Oh my God, should I go to wrestling prison for that? Fuck you, great. Get a handle, get an imagination, come up with something better than this. It's really hard to respond to to, to comments like this because they just don't really make much sense, but whatever grape go forward, prosper. Virtues up next. Eric Bischoff is a piece of shit. Scumbag con artist. Hope he fails and gets fired. He has enough money. Paul Heyman just needs to focus on hitting the gym, but I'm okay with his role. Well, clearly this is a, a an old, um, 
tweet came out um, prior to me joining WWE again as the executive director of SmackDown. And yes, while that was not a successful run, one that I've taken responsibility for, I think in retrospect, if we look back at my short tenure of, of four months, and then we look at Paul Heyman, who lasted yeah, maybe about six or eight months longer than I did, clearly your perspective on either my abilities um, or Heyman's is, is based on what you don't know, not on what you do know. Um, a con artist, I don't know. You know, I guess that's a subjective term and it can be thrown around. And especially to people that live on dirt sheets and live off the narrative who are really too stupid, too lazy, or just too ignorant um, by nature to really do any kind of research or understand the business of the wrestling business or the industry as a whole. So Virtue, you're welcome to your opinion, my friend. It's dated, it's old, but I doubt that you've grown much as an individual. I, I'm sorry about that. I really hope that people learn and grow. It's a natural part of life for some people, clearly not for virtue at no DQ, but uh, whatever, man. I, and by the way, I, it's not that I've got a lot of money. In fact, uh, I, I don't have nearly as much money as people think. But I'm very happy with my life, happy with the way I live it. I embrace every day as an opportunity. I'm a very positive person. Try it sometime. It may change the way you feel about yourself. <laughs> Up next, we've got uh, Mr. Dooley. He says, if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would still be selling meat from a truck in Minnesota. Oh God almighty. You know, it's hard to respond to something that's so fucking stupid. Look, Mr. Dooley, you're kind of a stupid looking fuck. As I look at your image there. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, he is you know, with his hands clasped and you know, looking all intellectual. That's a facade. This is clearly an idiot that we're responding to here on October 20th of 2019. First of all, I never sold meat from the back of a truck. It was a fucking promo, you jabroni. It was a promo. It never happened. There's a lot of things that are said during a promo and during a wrestling storyline that are there to create emotion. But the fact that Hulk Hogan said in a promo that I was selling meat out of the back of the truck is exactly that. It's fiction. Much like Mr. Dooley and, and, and probably most anything that comes out of his mouth. Sorry, Mr. Dooley. Just got, got to tell it like it is. Uh, Shane at get your rocks off tweeted, uh, former WCW talent, Daphne at scream queen Daph. There's a reason Eric Bischoff isn't employed by anyone at this point. Dot, dot, dot hashtag awful human being. No one wanted to work for him, comma, because he's a real hashtag jack off. It's interesting that a guy by the name of Shane at get your rocks off is describing me as a jack off. Do you see the connection there? This is a guy that just spends way too much time jerking it and fantasizing about the fact that he knows or understands <laughs> something about the industry that, that he clearly doesn't know or understand. So Shane, I would suggest that you listen to yourself. Follow, look, get your rocks off, jerk yourself off, believing whatever it is you want to believe. I am unemployable to the, to a large degree simply because it's hard for people to keep up with me. It really is. But I've learned to live with that. 
and I'm fine with it. I think you're doing a fine job. Well, I try. OT pie, Jilly beans, hashtag cross cult, which is at Jill Steet. Oh five. That's a hell of a name tweets out. Who does Eric Bischoff think he is calling Bret Hart a whiny bitch. My name is Eric Bischoff. I was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1955. I have a long and storied career in the entertainment industry, currently a producer on a project at Netflix. It's uh, going to be announced very soon and quite successful in my own right. Um, that's who I am. And Bret Hart is a whiny bitch. I'm sorry to say that. I really don't want to say that. But as much as I've tried to turn the other cheek and tried to take the high road, every time I turn around, if somebody puts a microphone in Bret Hart's face, he can only find he, can, he has nothing else to talk about. If he's not burying other people, and yes, being a whiny bitch, and I'm being kind. I'm, I'm editing myself in that commentary, by the way. I'm doing everything I can not to use other expletives because I don't want to reduce myself quite to that level yet. But look, facts are facts. Nobody forces Bret Hart to go out and criticize Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Bill Goldberg, Eric Bischoff. Fuck, he's even... <laughs> He's even burying people. Seth Rollins, what the fuck? I mean, what does Seth Rollins ever do to Bret Hart? The fact is nobody's ever done anything to Bret Hart. Bret Hart's fucked himself over so many different times, and he can't live with the fact that here, here is a fact. Here is a fact. All of you Bret Hart marks that are out there that believe every word he says and have so much empathy for Bret Hart because he is a whiny bitch to solicit that empathy. That's how he's currently trying to keep himself relevant, right? Making everyone feel for him because he never reached the heights of success that he had for himself. He, he raised his own spec expectations to a level that they couldn't be achieved, at least not by him. The fact is, this is a fact. Go back, do your own research. I'm not here to do it for you, bitch. I'm telling you, from my perspective, based on what I've read and the research I've done, Bret Hart was one of the lowest drawing champions in WWE history. Not the lowest, one of the lowest. Now, there are already, already people in social media making excuses for him by saying things like, oh, yeah, but, you know, WWE was in a downturn and wrestling was in a downturn at that time. Well, whose fault is that, Brett? They put the belt on you. They made you a champion. They put you on that WWE pedestal. And if you were half the talent you want everybody to think you are, if you were indeed the best there was or the best there is or the best there ever will be or whatever horseshit you unfortunately believe, if you were all that, guess what? WWE wouldn't have been in a downturn and you wouldn't be considered statistically and factually as one of the lowest rated champions or lowest performing champions in WWE, WWE history. So yes, what Brett is a, 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 a whiny bitch. I don't force him to say the whiny bitchy things that he does. He's, he, he elects to position himself in such a way. All I can say is, you know, Brett, Whatever you need to do to get through the day and cutie pie, jilly beans at Jill Steen 05, whatever. If you're a fan of Bret Hart, good for you. Anybody that's a fan of Bret Hart, I don't blame you. Bret had a lot of great things about him. He was a great technical wrestler. Unfortunately, that wasn't enough to elevate Bret in the eyes of the wrestling fans. 
by virtue of pay-per-view buys and attendance and television ratings. You weren't enough, Brett, to pull WWE out of that low attendance, low buy rate downturn that people talk about. You couldn't get the job done. And if there was ever a great opportunity for someone who was the best there is or the best there was or the best there ever will be to come in and save a company by virtue of your amazing talent and charisma, well, there's the problem. He had no charisma. He had the charisma of a ball sack. But it is what it is, Brett. Be grateful for the opportunity that you did have and quit making excuse, excuses and blaming others for not becoming the legitimate hero that you really wanted to become. When people look back at the success of WWE and they think about guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin and John Cena and The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan, guess who they won't be talking about? Bret Hart. There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate Steven Singer, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Well, Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. And don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. It's Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. I don't know how we'll beat that one. Plot you said that a couple. You said that a couple of tweets ago, and you're still doing it. And, and you're I'm the on man. a roll, brother. I am on a roll. We're we're going full out free free for all here. I'm I'm taking out all the guns. I got all kinds of ammunition stacked up on my desk. We're ready to go. Plot, plan, strategize, organize, mobilize. Tweets out or at Brian Alvarez. He tweets to Brian. The only thing dumber for AEW to do than bringing Eric Bischoff into their company would be to bring in Vince Russo. This is really kind of funny. At, when was this? October 17, 2019. So this was an old two, this was an old one too. I, I, I find it really interesting that at Golmo or whatever the fuck his name is, he's sniffing the jock of a jock sniffer. Imagine that he's trying to gain favor with this little midget douchebag, Brian Alvarez, who's nothing but a clown. He is just a clown. He, 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 I don't even want to go off on Brian Alvarez, but the fact that this guy's trying to get himself over with a guy who is nothing more than a jock sniffing sycophant of Dave Meltzer. I find this funny as hell. So thank you. You brighten my day. You put a smile on my face and I appreciate it very much. Next up it's uh Gregory nine hashtag. Never again. His handle is at Gregory nine. And he tweeted to Tony Khan, Luchasaurus, and a lot of others. 
If there was ever a reason to not watch AEW dynamite, that human dumpster fire, Eric Bischoff is it. Why would you taint your show that way? To make it entertaining, to gain ratings, to become more credible and to help enhance the rest of the talent that was on the show with me. That's the reason why that's how the wrestling business works. And the results of especially the first effort, um, I think pointed that out the, the, the ratings for the segment that I was in. And I don't like to talk about specific ratings or specific segments because there's so many variables involved in that. But if we have to quantify or qualify my success or lack thereof, I only point to my very first appearance in AEW and the ratings success that resulted from that, the tremendous amount of positive social commentary that I saw on social media as a result of it, I think probably flies in the face of Gregory nine hashtag never again, uh, your opinion, but that's not unusual. Is it? You're probably wrong about many things in life. (laughs) Hey, do me a favor, Gregory nine, Start listening to 83 Weeks. Enlighten yourself. Smarten yourself up. Go from being a low or no information wrestling fan to someone that has a basic understanding of how the wrestling world turns. You might, might just find a new way to enjoy the industry that you apparently are trying to be a fan of. Next up, it's Anthony. Parentheses, please wear a mask. At a Pope 45, he writes, I blocked Eric Bischoff a long time ago. He's an asshole to the highest degree. Well, if you're going to be an asshole, why would you not want to be an asshole to the highest degree? Clearly I've made a fortune during the course of my career being that asshole. And I will continue to be one when it's appropriate and called for, whether it be on camera or in an environment like this, I, if, if you're going to be an asshole, Ken Anderson said it best, man, if you're going to be an asshole, be the best asshole you can be. Truer words may have never been spoken. Uh, a pimp named Slickback at petty wap 33 writes, ah, oh, fuck. No, that MF Eric Bischoff is the last person I wanted to see on dynamite hashtag AEW dynamite. You poor misguided soul. I appreciate it. If you don't, uh, if you're not a fan of mine or don't appreciate my work, um, th- that's cool with me. I'm, I'm never really been too interested in, in having a fan that identified himself as a pimp, but Hey, do, you know, whatever you're welcome to your opinion. And if, 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 if I was the last person you wanted to see on AEW, uh, well, I understand that that's cool. It's, it's, it's your opinion. Um, rest assured that my relationship with AEW is such as a one-off type of, of a relationship. And I may or may not ever show up on AEW again. And if I do, I'll do my best. I'll try to be as entertaining as I can be. And if that's not good enough for you, pimp, um, I don't know what to say. You've got a remote. You can pause it. You can go out, you know, and grab a beer or in your case, a Shirley temple perhaps. Um, and, and, and take a little break, but I assure you, AEW is going to uh, continue to be a strong, creative, dynamic property with, or without me or with, or without you, bitch. 
Uh, ben Breeze Boys writes Bribois, Bribois. You've got to throw some. Oh, there you, on, there you go. There you go. There you go. By the way, can I can I tell you a little secret? Please do. When we first brought Chris Benoit into WCW, I thought his name was pronounced Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So yeah, you got to get that 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 French part of this thing down. It's bribois. There you go. With so many wrestlers struggling to find work right now, I'm glad that up and comer Eric Bischoff landed on his feet. I will always land on my feet, brother. I'm like herpes. I never really go away. <laughs> I just pop up when you least expect it. That's great stuff, Mike. At Italian Habs, Mike. Right. Bischoff is full of it. Early 1998 was the perfect time to put the WCW title on Brett, especially coming off Brett leaving the WWE after survivor series 97. It could have changed the Monday night wars though. WCW was winning every week at that time. Yeah. Well, you kind of made an ass out of yourself, so I don't really have to spend too much time trying to do it for you. Thank you very much, Mike Italian Habs, Mike. Um, but let's, let's, let's just play with this for just a little bit. So the idea would be that I would bring in Bret Hart, scrap all of the plans that were in place and working levels, creatively speaking solely. So we could put the belt on Bret Hart and make Bret Hart the champion. That's a kind of, kind of a common denominator amongst so many of the diehard Bret Hart fans clear. And especially the ones that don't know fuck all about what they're talking about as Mike clearly um, is a charter member of that group. Um, it would not have, it would not have bringing Bret Hart in and, and putting the world title on him would not have had. In fact, if it would have done anything, it would have hurt WCW. Bret Hart wasn't brought in to WCW to become the man. He was brought into WCW to become a man, a top guy. By the way, Bret Hart was initially brought in. The decision was made to bring in Bret Hart because of the addition of Thunder. And we were gearing up for the launch of that show. And we needed an anchor baby face that could anchor that show. Now, unfortunately, through no fault of my own, this was a result of the corporate merger and all the machinations of uh, the financial decisions that were made prior to the merger by Turner Broadcasting to s cut slash hack budgets along the way, the plans for Thunder went down the toilet. But by that time, we had already brought in Bret Hart. Look, Bret Hart was brought in. I'm going to get very serious here for a second. Bret Hart, bringing Bret Hart in was a strategic decision, partially creative, but mostly strategic. And by that, I mean, in fact, I, I think it was, George Washington, who first coined the phrase in different terms uh, of the time, but the best defense is a great offense. WWE was on the ropes. They were hauling the water coolers out of the building because they couldn't afford to have the company that was servicing said water coolers even put fucking water in them. And the idea of being able to take one of their anchor talents, even though he wasn't a very successful anchor talent, but nonetheless, an anchor talent in Bret Hart, being able to bring him into WCW and having a, a pretty meaningful position for him in Thunder was as much of a strategic decision as it was a creative one. And you just have to learn to live with that. It, it is what it is. Those are the facts. 
unfortunately, your, your fantasy booking based on absolutely no understanding, knowledge, or experience doesn't quite make a lot of sense had you been in a decision-making process at the time. Hey, man, what are you doing? What's taking so long? Seriously, just ask Philip up in Minnesota. We hooked him up at SaveWithConrad.com. He gave us a five-star review, and he had this to say. Jimmy and Jen provided outstanding customer service. Admittedly, I was skeptical, but I was amazed. Highly recommended. And how about this? Check this one out from Kenneth. He's over in Louisiana. He gave us a five-star review and says, The entire process was simple, and your team took care of everything. Will definitely recommend to anyone. Let's keep the hits going. What about Christopher up in Ohio? He says, after dealing with Stu, Clint, and everyone at First Family Mortgage, I couldn't help but ask myself, why did I wait so long? The process to refinance my house cut five years worth of payments and interest off of my existing mortgage, and it was stress-free. There was no pressure from Stu and the team, but they were available if I had any questions or concerns. I can't recommend First Family Mortgage enough. These are listeners just like you all over the country who've heard me bragging about how we can help your family save some cash and they rolled the dice and it paid off. We can help you save some cash too. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, but with rates as low as they are right now, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. If you're in a 30 year loan, I can save you tens of thousands of dollars. If you've got credit card debt, I can save you hundreds of dollars a month. How about this? You can even skip your next two house payments. How much money can you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. That's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And you heard the part about skipping two payments, right? We're talking no payments in January or in February. You're done until March 1st. Come March 1st, you're going to have a better mortgage. Check it out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. The thing that tickles me about this tweet, Eric, is he writes, it could have changed the Monday night wars though. WCW was winning every week at that time. You're damn right. It could have changed. Uh, they could have started losing because when Brett was the champion on the other station, you were thumping that head pretty good. You know, it just doesn't make any sense, but that's see, that's the frustrating thing. And it, you know, it doesn't make me angry. You know, the, the truth, again, I'm being serious here at this stage of my life, you know, I, I do a personal inventory almost every day. And whenever I go to the, how many fucks do I have left to give? You know, my, the, the, the inventory of fucks with which I have to give is really depleted at this point. <laughs> so I'm very selective. I'm very selective about what I really engage with and what really gets me hot and ignorant comments like this by people clearly don't know what they're talking about certainly doesn't motivate me to tap into that depleted inventory of fucks with which I have to give. Tremendous. Nicholas, uh, N underscore sank S A N K tweets out. Can we never be rid of Eric Bischoff? No, you'll never be rid of me. Like I said, a few moments ago, I'm like fucking herpes, man. You think it's gone away. And then bam, it's right there again. It never goes away and you're welcome. Uh, Brad tweets out. No one needed Eric Bischoff. You clearly did Brad, or you wouldn't have responded to this. Clearly there's a deep, dark 
spot in your soul where you, you look up to me so much. You need that heal. You want that heel. You need that personality that changed the wrestling industry forever. You need him. <laughs> and every once in a while, when he comes back into your life, you feel the need to respond to him. Well, Brad, I can assure you that I will be around for a long, long time. You're welcome. Next up, Catherine Barbadoro. At- Kath Barbadoro. I didn't watch WCW back in the day. Is this Eric Bischoff's plastic surgery face or did he always look like this? You know, I don't know how to take that Kath Barbadero. Um, I'm, I'm looking at your image there and clearly you're hiding your face. You got those big ass glasses on and, and, and I'm, I don't know if that's, you know, trying to hide your Botox or your plastic surgery or whatever it is you may be doing, but I can assure you, I've never had any plastic surgery, nor do I intend to. And this face, this face is a hundred percent me. And it served me very, very well. And will continue to do so until I decide it's no longer necessary. Derriere provocateur at the thinking Mac one. Tweets out, Eric Bischoff ain't shit. Fuck this dude. Derriere provocateur wants to fuck me. I don't, dude, I'm just not into it. And if you are, that's on you. (laughs) I don't judge whatever it is that you need to get your rocks off, feel good about yourself (laughs) or, or have a relationship. Go Go forth, prosper, be happy, dude. But no, you can't fuck me. I'm sorry. Sarah Knight at Sunshine Sight tweets out. So Eric Bischoff really needs the money, eh? Hashtag AEW Dynamite. Well, Sarah, I don't need the money, but I surely enjoy the money. And I'm not sure why that should be such a, a, a foreign concept to you, but you know, to, to each their own. I enjoy showing up on television from time to time. I enjoy performing and yes, I enjoy the money that comes with it. Um, I'm kind of trying to figure out what's wrong with that. Yeah. It's kind of a weird message here. Uh, at proto mags, uh, at magzilla 07 tweets out. Fuck Eric Bischoff. This is the fucking worst. Fuck this. AEW dynamite. Wow. I think we should introduce proto mags to derriere provocateur. <laughs> these two could fuck each other. And clearly they have a lot in common. We should come up with an adfreeshows.com dating site. And these two, we could make a marriage here. Cause it looks like a chick is proto mags, a chick magzilla. Oh seven. I can't tell. Yeah. It's a chick. It's a chick. The lady. Well, she, she looks like she may need to meet derriere provocateur. You know, we should, we should try to set that up. The number of fucks in her tweet is only outnumbered by the number of exclamation points. That's pretty remarkable. I know. Well, clearly this chick needs to get laid. That's, that's, that's apparent. Uh, H hyphen beans at, uh, Hanaroni Heim tweets, Eric Bischoff. Oh no, please. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, but yes, 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 yes. 
uh, Eric, when you, when you live rent free in people's head like this and they take to Twitter, they're just going to be bopping around their day, doing their regular thing, turn on some of their favorite programming and something happens on their screen that makes them pull out their phone, fire up their Twitter machine and type your name in all caps with exclamations and question marks. That has to bring a smile to your face. Does it not? It, it does. You know, I, I remember, you know, back in the you know, 96, 97, 98 era, my kids were still in school and I had a fair amount of heat back then. And one day my, our daughter Montana came home and, and she was a little concerned and, and, and keep in mind, she, you know, she had grown up with me being in the wrestling business. So it, it was kind of like, Oh, that's what dad does. Just like, Oh, dad's a telephone repairman or, Oh, you know, dad works in a grocery store or whatever. It was just my job. Right. So they didn't think too much of it. Um, Cause it was, that's the way it was since they were very, 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 very young. And, but one day my daughter came home and she was a little upset. She goes, dad, so many people hate you. Does that make you feel bad? And I had to sit her down much mm-hmm. like we're doing here with H beings at Hanaroni, Jaime or whatever that is. Heim. Um, I had to sit her down and explain to her that what, what her daddy does is an art form, creating emotion, creating that heat, being that bad guy is what allowed us to live the life we were living and travel the world and, and, and allowed me to, to let her invite her friends to go, you know, to Hawaii with us as a family or to Disney world and all the things that we, we were able to do, um, as a result of the success that I enjoyed in professional wrestling. And to this day, I take special pride in knowing that that heat that I created, that character that is out there. And as you said, is living in people's minds is still so powerful. It is a testimony to the talent, the charisma, and the art to which I brought to sports entertainment. And I'm so very fucking proud of it. And H Beans, thank you very much for reminding me just how powerful of a character not only I was back during the Monday Night Wars, but clearly by virtue of the fact that this tweet is only 20 hours old, still am. You're welcome. Whether you're treating yourself or shopping for someone on your list, finding the right holiday gift is never easy. But this holiday season, Hawthorne is making gift giving fun and simple. Hawthorne is a premium tailored personal care brand that's making it easy for guys to feel and smell their best. You start with their quiz. They ask me things like, what's your favorite drink? How do you like to spend a night out? Do you smoke? Etc. It was actually really easy. It was fun. It was quick. And I felt like they got enough information to make this a blast. The products that I got for myself were the shampoo and the deodorant. Those were home runs, but I put a few of my friends on it. And I'm telling you, it's high marks across the board. Here's the thing. You get to build personalized gifts for everyone. So if you've got a friend in your life who, you know, is looking to level up their game, maybe you've got somebody who's new and single, or maybe they're about to get married. This is something that guys probably want to have in the back pocket with social distancing, man, you really got to make a big impression. You are out and out folks. You want to come correct. You want to make sure that you're looking good, smelling good, feeling good. And Hawthorne is a fun and convenient way to get these super high quality products 
tailored specifically for men. Hawthorne even takes the risk out by giving you free shipping on your order and return. And if you don't love their products, they'll even retailer them based on your feedback. Get special offers for the holidays going on right now by visiting Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. You can check out all their special holiday offers. Do what I did. Go to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Hawthorne.co. It's legit. Time to level up. Looking good, Billy Ray. Feeling good, Lewis. You will be when you go to Hawthorne.co. Biz at Biz316 says, Eric Bischoff sucks ass, and I would never take a picture with him, let alone post it on social media. Well, you're right about the fact that you're never going to take a picture with me, douchebag. That's clear. Um, and great, whatever, you know, the, the, the fact that you feel the need to post that says a lot about me, the success that I've created, the character that I am, and the fact that you still hate me so much that you wouldn't want to take a picture with me. I very much appreciate it. You're speaking volumes to the power that my character still brings to the industry today. Dan McClure, which is at Dan underscore underscore McClure writes happened upon Eric Bischoff's latest podcast. Is it called 83 weeks? Because that's how long it's been since Bischoff slept hashtag cocaine. Well, that's kind of funny. Um, I'm not going to suggest that I've never dabbled. (laughs) (laughs) that would be that wouldn't be true i can also tell you it's been decades the 80s was an interesting time for me as it was for many people but uh no i can assure you that the energy and everything else that i bring to the table whether you enjoy it or not is brought to you whoops my cup just disappeared into my (laughs) (laughs) is brought to you by nothing but High octane caffeine. Uh, spicy star candies at CA of Vinny writes breaking. People say Eric Bischoff sucks. Wow. That's really, really impressive. Spicy star candles at C Y of Vinny. Um, I don't know. I don't know how long it took you to come up with that, but what, whatever it is you do for a living, find something else to do. Because if we're, if anything that you do for a living requires any amount of imagination or creativity, find another job, please. For not just for me, for your family, please. Those, those that are around you. Oh, T bar T bag. We're going to uh, love this one. We're going to uh, <laughs> go out with a bang here on uh, mean seat mean tweet receipts t-bar a verified account at t-bar retribution tweets out i heard that at e bischoff was very offended by my comments and took some shots at me unfortunately nobody will ever hear his response because it took place on his podcast hashtag retribution you know i saw this and and i think i responded to it and in t-bag the only thing i can say to you is you're wrong I wasn't offended. I was humored. I was not offended. And I didn't really take any shots at you. 
Well, maybe I did. I am right now. But the fact is, T-Bag, you've got no heat with me. Zero. Same could be said for the audience of WWE. You ain't got no heat with anybody, bitch. <laughs> and, and likely you never will. So let me take this opportunity to be the first to wish you the best in your future, future endeavors. Because I predict 12 months from now, nobody's going to remember that you existed, teabag. And folks, we do not talk about this ahead of time. Uh, Eric had no idea that that slide was going to be in there until he just saw it. But you know what? Sometimes, uh, you know, you can tell by looking at me. I like it going back for seconds. T-Bar tweeted out. Thank you at E Bischoff. You're a huge inspiration for hashtag retribution. We too aspire to one day destroy a billion dollar wrestling company and bury it under fiery wreckage. Well, see, this was T-Bag's actually first comment. Um, it, it took place prior to the one that we, we just reacted to and T-Bag look, wherever you get your inspiration, however you get it in whatever delusional fantasy world that you happen to live in, I'm glad, truly happy that I can provide you with some inspiration. Unfortunately, it's never going to be enough inspiration for you to get yourself over. In fact, I think we've seen over the last couple of weeks that you're being minimal. You, you, you're you're already in the background, bitch. You went from being kind of out in front of everything to yeah, he's kind of in the background. Let's put him back there with the potted plants because this shit is not getting over. And T-Bag, I encourage you, stay inspired. Find that inspiration wherever you can, however you can, because this is your one shot, dude. When after this is over, and it will be very soon if it's not already, there is not going to be another shot for you because you just don't have the talent. You just don't. Getting over, getting heat is such a, it's such a talent that so few people have. And clearly it's a talent that while you aspire to it and why I may inspire you to have a fraction of the heat, not only that I had when I was at the peak of my career on camera, but I still have to this day. I hope that I can find another way to inspire you because otherwise the fiery wreckage that you're referring to in your tweet will be that of your own short-lived career. It's been a long time coming. I've wanted Eric to do this for a while. We finally figured out as you saw us, uh, bumble through that, uh, the technology that has been afforded our way to, to create this experience for you. I loved it, Eric. This is everything I hoped it would be. And, uh, I have a feeling that we're going to piss off enough people that we can do a round two. So if you've got issues with Eric Bischoff, you don't like his character. You don't like our podcast. You don't like what we do. A friend of a friend of a friend told you about this because you couldn't rub two nickels together and pay for adfreeshows.com. Send your tweets to at E Bischoff and you too could be ethered real, real soon here on the show. This was fun. Eric, was this cathartic for you? It is fun for me. You know, I, I, I go through my daily life here. You know, I, I live in a very uh, peaceful environment and I live by choice in, 
in solitude, surrounded by some of the most magnificent scenery in the world. I've got a beautiful wife of 37 years. We've been together almost 40. I've got a dog that I love so much. My kids are happy and they're healthy and they're successful. So things are going really, really well in my life in many respects. And every once in a while, I love kind of getting fired up, shake me out of this comfort zone that I live in 24 hours a day that I'm so grateful for. And I get to engage with morons like this. It really does fire me up. It brings back that part of me that's been missing for so long. So yeah, bring those tweets on, but please, unlike so many of the ones that we read today, be a little creative. Try your best. Don't just come up with stupid shit. Come up with something good that we can sink our teeth into. Because there's nothing I love more than burying morons right here on adfreeshows.com. <laughs> and by the way, shout out to, uh, I don't even know how I just noticed this. Shout out to Dave Silva, who created this wonderful mean tweet receipts graphic for us. It's got like a little, uh, maybe you went out to lunch and they wrote a handwritten ticket, sort of old school. The check number up there in the top right-hand corner, Eric, that's the debut of Nitro, 0904-1995. I'm telling you, Dave Silva is the secret sauce. Yes, sir. The rest of the podcasts uh, under the Conrad Thompson Podcast Empire umbrella, Dave Silva Dave Silva sets the tone. Dave Silva inspires me to live up to the quality of the graphics that are yeah. designed to promote our shows. There's nothing that would make me feel like less of a person than to put in anything less than 110% effort to live up to the expectations that are created by the imagination, the creativity, and the talent of one Dave Silva, the graph master, as I refer to him. Uh, one, one last thing before we get out of here, this suit we see in the graphic here, you're wearing, is that out of the Vince McMahon collection, the Stanford collection last year? That is definitely out of the Stanford collection. It was a custom made suit by a guy by the name of Joe. He just goes by Joe Taylor, Joe, right downtown Stanford, Connecticut. His little tailor shop was right behind the apartment building that we lived into and he made really fine and very expensive suits. And, uh, yes, it is a, a custom suit that I had, uh, made by Joe just so I could show up in the WWE headquarters building each and every day looking as dapper as Vince McMahon wanted us all to look. Um, and I'm glad I have it. I've got a whole closet full of these things now. So whenever I get that, you know, phone call to make an appearance, no matter where it is or who it's with, I no longer have to worry. I know I, I, I used to have to look at Lori and go, Oh my God, I've got to go do TV. And again, I live in a place where she just can't run down the store and get a suit. Right. Unless you want to dress up like a rodeo clown, it's really kind of hard in this part of the country. So I've got a whole closet full of two and three thousand dollar suits that are, are just <laughs> sitting there waiting and 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 ready for me to uh, to get that phone call and show up. Look at dapper as fuck, by the way. Really looking dapper. It looks so good in that suit. I love that suit. Yeah, when I don't the know uh, what color that is is that like it's kind of like a cranberry. I guess, but dude, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm colorblind. That shit looks Navy blue to me, dude. You are colorblind. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say it would probably be classified as a plum color or perhaps cranberry. Um, but yes, it's, it, it, it's a fine suit. I still have it. Uh, and I look forward to wearing it again someday, as long as it's not in Stanford, Connecticut. Well, maybe next week we'll, uh, or next time, cause we won't be doing this every week, but next time we do a mean tweet receipts, Maybe we'll have to wear you, make you wear all black because, uh, 
you've been burying motherfuckers left and right today. Seems like it's appropriate for a funeral, huh? Yeah, maybe I'll get like one of those, uh, like you know, wear a little hood and carry a sickle, like yes. the grim fucking reaper, like the guy that comes to you, you know, right before you die and points a finger at you and goes, <laughs> maybe that that's what I'll do. That's what I should be wearing tonight for the Halloween party. I didn't even think of that. You know what? I don't even have a costume yet. You believe that? Oh, you told me earlier in the week you were making like a homemade one. You, you, you haven't done well, that yet? I, and, and, and I will as a last resort, and I don't want to give away what I'm thinking about doing. And I can do that. I can make that outfit or that costume if I need to. But uh, the idea that I have would make it really hard for me to talk mm. and, and would make it hard for the audience to hear me uh, through that particular costume. So I'm, I'm having some second thoughts, but I've got a, I've got a plan B. I talked to Lauren Yaffe this morning. We touched base on, on what we're going to do tonight. And by the way, I love her. She's great. She's so great. She's just, she brings a smile to my face. Just talking to her over the phone, sweet person and talented as well. But I was, she was saying, Oh, Eric, you know, I, I wanted to kind of walk you through what we we're going to do tonight before I promoted it because I couldn't get a hold of her yesterday. I was a little busy yesterday. She just went ahead and promoted it. And when we talked this morning, she goes, I hope you're not mad, but here's what I want to do. And I went, wow, that's one of the best ideas I've ever heard. And then I told her, I still don't have a costume yet. So she was a little disappointed in me, but I'll, I'll come up with something. I'll try really hard. Well, we're trying really hard for you guys here on adfreeshows.com. Hope you're digging what we're doing. We're going to continue to innovate and create uh, bear with us as we're dialing in video. We think we've got audio licked, but, uh, we're working on, uh, on, on creating more video for you. I hope in a year, Eric, you know, we can turn this thing into, uh, an almost completely visual opportunity. So if you want to plop down on your couch and fire it up and watch it on the big screen. It's pretty easy to do that. And shows like this, it's one thing to hear you eviscerate someone. It's something else to see that happen. I love that word eviscerate. Yeah, you did. For those of you that, for, for most of you that, that sent the tweets in that we, we covered today, you'll have to look it up and, or Google it, you know, cause <laughs> you probably don't have the capacity to, to expand your vocabulary enough to understand what that term means, but go ahead and Google it because we love doing this rate. Yeah. I love doing that. Whether you rent or own Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at Geico.com easy. I love talking about our friend, Steven singer. I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you might be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price.
Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks, a very special edition. It's Eric Fires Back right here on adfreeshows.com. It is our most favorited, most well-liked, most well-received piece of bonus content. It's a hit, and we're going to keep playing these hits for you because, well, frankly, there's plenty to go around when it comes to our most controversial co-host on the entire network. Ladies and gentlemen, we couldn't do it without Eric Bischoff. Eric, how are you, man? I am doing <clears throat> well. I'm looking forward to this. I've gassed up here this morning, slept in a little bit, slept till seven o'clock this morning. For me, that's like, that never happens. So I immediately woke up, went downstairs, took my dog out in this frigid Rocky mountain weather here at the end of October and uh, started pounding coffee just so I could be prepared for it because I know how much you love this. I know how much you love getting me fired up. And I, I, I do my best to, to maintain control and to be articulate and make clear points, but you know how this shit goes. Well, let's talk about that. You know, you and I have the pleasure of, uh, a lot of times, at least once a month, you and I will go on a tear calling some of our subscribers here on adfreeshows.com just to let them know how much we appreciate them and we really want to give them an experience and a chance to sort of pick their brains and figure out what we can do better on the site. But that's what everybody wants, right? They don't just want to hear content. What they want is an experience. And so we're trying to do that with things like uh, Hallow's Eve havoc, which is happening this Friday night, live on zoom. You'll be in costume. Shivani will be in costume. I'll be in costume. We've even got Lauren on hand doing a little spin the wheel, make the deal. It's going to be fun. But as we make these calls, or at least on my calls, it's almost unanimous when I say, Hey, what do you like best about the channel? Uh, adfreeshows.com. one by one, everyone says either Eric fires back, which is the overwhelming majority or ask Conrad. And I think ask Conrad is just to make me feel good because they're talking to me. Eric fires back is number one with a bullet on our entire network, dude. Well, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I, I, I look forward to doing these in, 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 to a certain degree, I almost kind of don't because I know how high my blood pressure is going to go. I know how frustrated I'm going to get during the course of these things, but I think it's, it's also a public service. I've said this for ever since you and I first started doing a show together a couple of years ago now, um, I really believe that the listeners to 83 weeks in general, and specifically, uh, those family members who are part of adfreeshows.com, um, are probably the more enlightened group of, of professional wrestling fans out there in the universe. And I, and I appreciate being able to clear the air and give another side of the story and point out the nonsensical delusional bullshit that so many people have been spewing for so long because it makes them feel valuable. It makes them feel better about themselves, regardless of how accurate, how truthful or, 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 or how realistic some of the nonsense I've heard has been. And you know, it's, it's fun. It's enlightening, but, uh, let's, let's fire this mother up. Well, I'm so excited that we're getting to do this. There's, uh, frankly, a lot of people have made a living talking shit about you over the year. So it's nice to sort of clear the air every now and again. And we've got some new names here. We're going to hit a little bread heart because, well, he just, uh, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we'll also touch on Jerry Jarrett, believe it or not. We'll hit a little bit of Ole Anderson and then we're going to finish it off with bro. 
Vince Russo. So, oh God, oh God. <laughs> what started out to be a beautiful but brisk late fall day is going to turn into a shit show. <laughs> Let's get started with the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Talking to uh, our old pal Sean Ross Sapp. Here we go. And I remember I got really frustrated, and I went out and I talked about my cat. <laughs> I talked about my cat was my only fan, Smokey the cat, and my cat was named Smokey. But I remember it was just the stupidest interview because I had nothing to talk about. It was almost like sarcastic to kind of kind of make it clear to Bischoff in the back that I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> the best I can come up with is my cat. And I just remember when I came back to the dressing room, Eric Bischoff goes, I loved the part about the cat. He goes, I loved it. And it was like... I remember kind of scratching my head and thinking, for the money these guys are paying me, they sure got some st- stupid people here, you know. And I actually remember giving them an idea about the cat, putting the cat in the cat carrier and having the cat in my corner all the time. <laughs> he got, and he said he loved it. Anyway, he never went anywhere, like any, everything in WCW. But, so you, but, you uh, pinched bringing a cat to the ring? Yeah, and then I actually had an idea where the cat would be with. I would have a real cat all the time in my corner, and then for one of the matches, I would I would um, put like a stuffed toy cat in the my in my cat carrier, and I would put like have a zipper on it, and I would stick the cat in like the insides of the cat with a brick, and then when I was in in peril in the match. I would reach like in a say a Boston Crab or something like that or some kind of a hold where I was in in jeopardy. I would um, open my cage door and reach reach in through and grab the cat by the tail and swing it and hit the wrestler over the head with the brick and win the match with uh, the cat with a, a stuffed cat with a brick. But I remember. Yeah, I remember I was almost like a rib, like to see if they would just do it. And I remember I was actually, to be honest, it would have been better than anything they did have me do at that time. Oh. But um, anyway, that never came to fruition. But, uh, you know, sometimes you got to just uh, make up stuff on the go all the time. I think your nephew Teddy stole your gimmick. He carries yeah. it everywhere. Better off with Teddy anyway. Eric, this can't be real. It's not. It's not, unfortunately, I try so hard to respect Brett and to take the high road and I'm going to endeavor to persevere, endeavor to persevere. I love that. Do you know where that line came from? I don't. Endeavor to persevere. The outlaw Josie Wales. Oh, there you go. It's one of my favorite scenes. And I too shall endeavor to persevere and do my best to take the high road here because I made a promise to myself. That I would, but this is the most absurd shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and look, Brett clearly lives in a fantasy. He's the, you know, he is a Canadian hero, which is, you know, a lot of pressure being a Canadian hero, particularly when you're not, but you think you are. And, and I think, you know, Brett has spent so much of his life aspiring to be something that he was never able to be. You know, when you look at the, the legacy of WWE superstars and those who have really truly accomplished the peak, the pinnacle of success in the industry, 
not on a subjective scale by being the best technical wrestler, which, you know, I would agree. Brett would definitely deserve to be in that conversation, if not be considered one of the best technical wrestlers in the industry in the last 20 to 30 years. Got no problem with that. As a character, the cat would have probably gotten over more than Brett did. Brett, Brett was, I mean, he, he came to the ring looking like a drowned Afghan with no personality, zero charisma. And what I find interesting about this is, you know, Brett suggesting that he shows up and nobody had anything for him. I think right that right there, that statement that Brett made, these are not, these are not my words. These were Brett Brett's words. I didn't really have anything to talk about and they didn't really have anything for me. And I was going to go out and do an interview. I can't even be as fucking bland as Brett Hart is. I would have to work on that. I would have to study that character and spend a month being a, a monotone, emotionalist, charisma-free, um, completely disimpassioned individual in order to come close to sounding like Bret Hart has sounded throughout the majority of his career. But the fact that Bret would come out and, and admit publicly that he showed up on national television in a prime time spot within a show that at the time was delivering three, four, five million viewers a week and show up and go, well, they don't really have anything for me. So I'm going to make up some shit about my cat. First of all, it never happened. Didn't happen. He didn't talk to me about his cat angle. This is something that he's literally <laughs> rather than, rather than Teddy Hart, you know, stealing Brett's cat gimmick. It sounds to me like it's the other way around. Brett doesn't have anything new to talk about in this interview with Sean, Sean Rossap. So he goes back and go, oh, my, my, my nephew, Teddy Hart, which is another piece of work, by the way. Um, just whatever. I'm not going to say that, but he, he makes up this story to Sean about this fucking cat angle. Whereas if you would have gone, if, if that were to be true, let's just, let's use our imagination and, and think about this for a moment that perhaps Brett showed up at TV. First of all, to suggest that nobody had anything for him or we didn't have an interview prepared for him is just a blatant flat out delusional lie. I hate to say that about Brett, but I, and unfortunately, you know, like so many of these people that do these types of interviews who come up with these kind of fucking stories, you know, that, that never really happen. He's trying to be interesting. He's trying to be entertaining. He's trying still to get himself over. He's trying so hard to hang on to this story, this narrative where he was this giant Canadian hero and he's coming to WCW and WCW didn't have anything for him. Do you think of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, you name it, any of the top performers in the industry, if they were to show if they were to show up at TV and Vince McMahon or in Eric Bischoff or anybody else were to say, God, Brad, I, man, I'm sorry we just didn't get around to thinking, you know, about an interview for you. But here's three minutes or two minutes or four minutes. You know, just go out there and have some fun. First of all, that shit never happened. All right. But let's just pretend 
Let's stretch the boundaries of reality and pretend that it did. Do you think Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Mick Foley, or anybody else of, of a superstar statue would have come out and talked about their fucking cat? Is that how you would get yourself over, Brett? Look, anybody in the industry for more than six minutes will tell you it's up to you to get yourself over. And that's probably true in any form of entertainment. You can get an opportunity. Someone can give you a platform. But if you don't have the imagination, the creativity, the drive, the passion, passion, Brett, passion, not passion about what could have been or should have been, but passion in the moment to take a hold of that opportunity, to seize it and to cut a promo because you have carte blanche. You can talk about anything that you want, but instead you go out and, and, and you're going to, you're going to use that opportunity to talk about your cat. And by the way, by the way, the angle if that, if, if, where Brett was going to come to the ring with a cat, I, I couldn't tell by listening to that clip, whether Brett was serious about that, or if this was some kind of a joke that he was coming up with just for the interview with Sean Rossap who I really enjoy interviewing with, by the way, Sean's a cool dude, but I, I don't know if Brett was just making this up on the fly. If it, if he did is a perfect example of the lack of creativity and passion that, that Brett, in my opinion, should be known for as much as his technical wrestling ability. But can you imagine if that's his idea of an idea uh, of a good creative idea? No wonder he fucking didn't show up until five minutes before showtime and keep his shit to himself. It's a fucking horrible idea. Horrible. Whether it was a joke or not, it was not even a funny joke. It's bizarre, but funny? Nah. Interesting? Nah. But then that kind of sums up Bret Hart. He Look, you go back and look at, and one of these days I'll do this, maybe someday this week, or for sure, by the next time we do another one of these ad-free shows, um, Fires Back episodes, I'm going to go back, because I saw the data once, about the amount of money that Bret Hart drew and what happened to WWE's finances with Bret as champion. There's a reason why Bret was an interim champion. There's a reason why Vince wanted Bret to leave and couldn't afford to keep Bret because Bret didn't draw. He was great. He was a great co-star. He was a great supporting cast member. And yes, he had great matches. I am not going to try to, to, to convince anybody that I feel otherwise, but as a character, fuck, unless he was surrounded by a bunch of people that had charisma, if Brett was out there on his own, he was like watching paint dry, unless you're really into technical matches. And I, I, I got news for everybody that thrives on the five-star match or four-star match aspirations. Nobody gives a fuck. A small percentage of the audience watches professional wrestling and sports entertainment for the technical abilities of the performers. Yes, the technical abilities are important. Don't get me wrong. Don't even reach for your fucking iPhone to try to comment on what I just said in a negative way because it's true. There are a percentage, a small percentage of people that live in this little five-star match bubble, but 95% or at least a vast majority of the audience, they want story. They want larger than life characters. They want to be entertained. And Bret Hart, as great as he was, 
from from a technical wrestling point of view was like watching paint dry. It was fucking boring. So I don't know. The numbers back it up. You know, Bret Hart is a WWE world champion was probably when compared to many of his peers during that time, a failure, a miserable failure. Was he important to have on the roster? Absolutely. Did he have value for the international marketplace? Probably more than he did in the U S but as just a point of fact, go back and look at the revenues for WWE with Bret Hart as champion. And you'll know why Bret Hart is such a frustrated, negative, miserable individual. Because he couldn't live up to his own aspirations to not only be the greatest of all Canadian heroes, but to be considered a legitimate WWE superstar among superstars. He's not, and he never will be. He's, he'll always be considered important. He'll always be, he'll always have a strong fan base who are loyal to Brett. And that's a great thing. But to hear this sad, miserable, negative fuck drone on and on and on about things that never happened to try to make himself out to be the baby face and make it look like he had no responsibility whatsoever for not being able to get himself over. Yes, Brett, get yourself over. Don't depend on other people to do it for you. That's how superstars become superstars. They get themselves over. They don't walk out talking about a fucking cat. <laughs> Nobody cares about. I love you so much. I'm glad that uh, I've already ruined your day on the first clip. Uh, no, I didn't ruin my day. I, look, I give two shits about this kind of stuff because it is what it is. And most people who are not so lopsided in in their view of the world and, you know, hang on to whatever their favorite, you know, ex wrestler says about the past you know some people are going to believe whatever brett says and that's fine you know whatever 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 it takes to get you through the day and i feel the same way about brett and and other people who who feel the need to go back and paint this fucking picture and make excuses and blame other people for them not being able to get themselves over brett you couldn't get yourself over maybe i couldn't get you over either but what does that say about brett hart Bret Hart's in, in, in WCW to, at, at a time when you could literally take a shit in the ring and the shit would get over, but Bret Hart couldn't find a way. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you I do. Know. And I, I bet it's some hard think, work. I think that, you that know what's interview easy? said a Bundling lot policies more policies with Brett. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote. And see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. One of the things I enjoy most about our podcast is that it's all about nostalgia. It makes me think about, you know, being a kid and growing up as such a big wrestling fan and growing up cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but most of us had to give it up when we realized it's full of sugar and junk that we really shouldn't be eating. But then when you realize, Hey, if I cut out all the carbs and the sugar, and there's nothing I can even eat anymore, but you still need to eat breakfast, right? I mean, we've always heard it's the most important meal of the day. And that makes sense. You know, if you, if you start your, uh, your engine going the right way in the morning, you're going to be more productive at work. You're going to get more shit done, but how do we make this happen? Magic spoon. 
Magic Spoon is a sponsor of this podcast, and I got to tell you, we are a fan in the Thompson household. And here's why you're going to dig it. Zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in every serving. They've also got four really badass flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. It tastes amazing. It almost feels too good to be true. It's keto-friendly. It's gluten-free. It's grain-free. It's soy-free. It's low-carb, and it's GMO-free. I have absolutely fell in love uh, with Magic Spoon. My wife is a big fan of fruity, and, and you can probably guess what that tastes similar to. I'm a big fan of cocoa. Uh, our daughter really likes blueberry. You're going to love it too. Find out which one you like the best. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash 83 weeks. Grab a variety pack and try them all today. Be sure to use that promo code 83 weeks at checkout. You're going to get free shipping for that. We should mention Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed by 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash 83 weeks and use the promo code 83 weeks for free shipping. And we thank magic spoon for sponsoring the podcast. We believe in it. You will too. Try the cocoa buddy. You're going to dig it. Magicspoon.com forward slash 83 weeks. And on that note, we'll switch gears. I don't know how we could possibly follow that. We should probably just roll credits right now, but we're going to try. Here's uh, somebody we didn't expect to hear from Jerry Jarrett on uh, how he felt Eric Bischoff ran WCW. Let's take a listen. He was uh, a little insecure and uh, I remember telling him when he started all the talent I said I but you know you have to be political in that situation Uh, being a consultant you have to really understand that generally the person hiring you doesn't want a consultant they want a validation so uh, I would be very diplomatic and say uh, you know Chrysler can run out of money so can Ted if I were you, I would be real careful that the, the talent earns their money or justifies their money. And of course, they what they they'd pay somebody thirty or forty thousand dollars to stay at home. Crazy kind of stuff. So, uh, a lot of people may not realize this, but once upon a time, I believe Jerry Jarrett. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Sorry. I'll sleep during that. I'm, I'm sorry. I just woke up. Go ahead. Jerry Jarrett brought in to consult WCW. He's a wrestling mind. Maybe somebody thought it would be a good idea. Was that your idea? What do you remember about working with Jerry and what do you make of his comments there? Um, it was my idea to bring Jerry in. Um, I also brought in a guy by the name of Mike Shields, who was really responsible for me getting into, to AWA. 
Mike Shields and Jerry Jarrett had worked together uh, in Memphis for a long time. They had a long relationship. I had a lot of respect for Mike Shields. I wouldn't be talking to you today were it not for Mike Shields. There would have been, never been a Nitro or an NWO or a cruiserweight division or any of the other great things that, that came out of WCW, in addition to all the things that weren't so great. But at the end of it all, I wouldn't. none of those things would have happened had it not been for Mike Shields really uh, helping me get into the door with AWA. And, and you know, you, you've known me long enough, Conrad. I'm a pretty loyal person. I, I, I remember those who have helped me in the past. And whether I get along with them socially or not, I usually maintain a fair amount of respect for them. And as a result of that, and look, I, I've made no bones about it. You know, there were a lot of things I didn't know uh, about running a wrestling company when I, in fact, was given the opportunity to run a wrestling company. There was a lot of learning on the job. There were a number of people who I leaned on for guidance or for, in, in some cases, just a perspective. Just because I would listen to somebody doesn't necessarily mean I would act on what they would have to say to me, even though in their minds, perhaps they thought they were, you know, they had the keys to the kingdom because I had a conversation with them. Jerry Jarrett was an experiment. I brought Jerry in for, I don't know, a cup of coffee or two. He was there for a minute and he offered nothing. He offered nothing. He had nothing constructive to contribute. And I'll make, I'll use myself as an example, my last run in WWE. There's a reason why it didn't work out for me in WWE because I didn't take advantage of it. I didn't do the right things. I didn't make the right calculated decisions and, and when I should have stepped in more aggressively and perhaps grabbing a hold, grabbed a hold of opportunities that possibly were there in front of me. I didn't, I didn't adapt. I've said this before. We've covered this in 83 days here on adfreeshows.com. I didn't do a good job adapting to the opportunity. That's on me. That wasn't on Vince McMahon. It wasn't on WWE corporate. It's on me. I didn't get the job done. Conversely, neither did Jerry Jarrett. I gave him an opportunity. He, he, the shit that he did contribute was like back to the seventies. It's a different world. And Jerry hasn't lived in that world in almost 30 years. He knew nothing about modern television. He knew nothing about how television and advertising work because he ran a small little territory. It's all it was by today. It would be considered a small independent territory. Yes. He had great success. He did back in the sixties and the seventies or whatever, I'm not taking anything away from him, but that time, that period of time didn't exist in the nineties. The business had changed and Jerry didn't. And that became abundantly clear early on. And I cut him loose because he had nothing to offer. He didn't seize any opportunity. He didn't. And by the way, I never talked about talent money with Jerry Jarrett. He's full of shit. It never happened. It really never happened. But in Jerry's mind, it did because Jerry, like Bret Hart and so many others who, who feel the need to keep themselves relevant and, and kind of paint their own version of a narrative, a derivative of a narrative that's been out there. You know, they try to make it apply to themselves and make it sound like it's, you know, they were a part of that whole thing. Look, WCW was a phenomenal opportunity for anybody that had a great idea. Unfortunately, Jerry wasn't one of them. And by the way, neither was Mike Shields, the guy who I really, and to this day, have nothing but respect for and admiration of in many respects. 
it didn't work out. There was nothing he could contribute that wasn't already being contributed. There was not a perspective by Jerry Jarrett that wasn't a perspective that I could hear from 15 other people that were on staff. Jerry was just a washed up, has been trying desperately to hold on to the image that he has of himself, much like Bret Hart. You know, when Jerry Jarrett was successful back in the 1920s or whenever the fuck it was, or what was it, the 20s or 30s? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But whatever that moment of time where Jerry Jarrett actually had anything to say that was relevant um, was so long ago. But in Jerry's mind, probably till this day, he still is hanging on and, and trying to convince himself that, you know, Boy, if they just would have listened to old Jerry Jarrett, my own things would be different. Well, no, they wouldn't have, Jerry, because there was no going back to 1970. There just wasn't. Well, let's keep the hits rolling. That was fun. Way more fun than I even imagined. Uh, next up, we're going to take a It's little- hard to make anything Jerry Jarrett says fun. My God. Have a hard time sleeping? Listen to Jerry Jarrett. Well, this uh-huh. won't be hard. Uh, Ole Anderson on why Eric fired him. Here we go. Jim Cornette has said that you and Brian got fired because you, know, you did business with him on WCW's property. Is that true? I got fired because Eric Bischoff was running running everything. Eric Bischoff fired me, fired Greg Gagne. Greg Gagne didn't have nothing to do with what's-his-face. Right. He fired... Uh, uh, who's a guy, a little guy from Tennessee that wrestled? Lawler. Who? Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee. Right. He fired Bill Dundee, he fired Greg Gagne, he fired my son, and he fired me. Then he fired somebody else. Very important. Who did he fire? This was, um, man. Go ahead, just go ahead. Jim. Jim Barnett. Okay. He fired Jim Barnett. So it's got nothing to do with anything else that they're talking about. Eric Bischoff wanted to take over, and that's what he ended up doing. He took over, and he ran the damn thing until he went out of business. In uh, Bischoff's book, he actually talk, said that Blackjack oh, Mulligan. <laughs> he said that uh, Blackjack Mulligan ratted you out. Uh, I guess to Bischoff for talking about him behind his back. Do you have oh, any? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Eric Bischoff made it clear to everybody that if they heard something about me or I said something, they were immediately to let him know whoever it was. So Blackjack Mulligan and I were at the the little training center we had. And we were working with 12, 13 guys, whatever it was, trying to break them into the business. Which is a waste of time and stupid to begin with, but in any event, that's what we were doing. And uh, I said to, oh, one of the guys was from Sweden or some damn place. I forgot what his name was. Could rest a little bit. And uh, anyway, that guy from Sweden, I think it was Sweden or maybe Norway, I don't know, one of them, not Finland, but Sweden, right. he said, listen, how would you like to come to Sweden or whichever, whichever country? I said, what do you mean? He says, I think we can put together a damn good deal up there where I can get some people who've got some money and we can promote wrestling up there. I said, I'll tell you what, you find somebody that's got $2 million, I'll go. Then put up another how many millions of dollars you got to have? Because the two millions for me. <laughs> I'll go, and I'll do whatever you think you want done. 
You line up. He says, I'll line it all up. He said, don't worry, I'll line it all up. The guy that heard it was... Blackjack Mulligan. Blackjack Mulligan. What a stupid bunch of shit. Blackjack Mulligan couldn't work to get a hold of Eric Bischoff to tell him that Ole was planning on taking talent to go to Norway or Sweden or where the hell ever huh. and run wrestling. Right. Like, what difference would it fucking make if I did it anyway? What the hell would it... Yeah. Right. It got nothing to do with the people over here in the United States. Well, anyway, that was Eric Bischoff's reason, or a reason, supposedly, to fire my ass. But that wasn't the real reason. He just didn't want me, because I would say stuff about all kinds of shit. Right. And he was in charge. And like I say, he fired me, he fired Bill Dundee, he fired, who, did I, who else did I say, Greg Gagne? And then he ended up firing uh, Jim Barnett. Jim Barnett. What was, that? what was Jim Barnett trying to do? Nothing. What was Jim Barnett doing at, at the company at the time? What was he? Nothing. What was his role? Nothing. Huh. Well, lots to unpack there. Uh, I guess the gist is uh, you fired everybody, and it was because you didn't like what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> My sentiments exact. Holy is such a. He's so funny to listen to because he's so absurd. First of all, the, the wrestler that Oli was talking about was, and he, th this individual is no longer with us, but his name was Frank Anderson. He was a Swedish amateur wrestler. He, he, he held several gold medals, world championships, and I think he took a bronze medal in the 1984 Summer Olympics. So that, yeah, we, yeah the fact that Oli couldn't remember him doesn't surprise me because so much of everything else that Oli said is just silliness, and he, I think he was making it up on the fly. Frank Anderson was someone that I recruited. I actually went to Sweden, met with Frank, and Frank was referred to me, or, or, or I was made aware of Frank through my relationship with Brad Ringens. And Frank was a great-looking guy. He had a great. He was great on camera. He did have that international appeal that WCW was looking for, and we were trying to build up a talent base that would resonate with the international audience. And Frank certainly had the amateur wrestling background, an Olympic wrestling background. He had a great look, great physique, tons of charisma, and yes, part, which is so often the case with this kind of horse shit, parts of what Oli said were true. Now, here's the parts that he kind of left out. Number one, I liked Oli. I enjoyed working with Oli before I took over and, and had to be responsible for management and had to run WCW like a company and not like some small Georgia territory where you could get away with you know, doing things that you just couldn't get away with doing in a corporate environment. And one of those things Oli was known for was raising his voice talking like a sailor and I'm no saint, you know, but when I'm in the confines of a corporate environment or people who I just work with and don't have close personal relationships, or I'm not doing this show, which is a whole different animal, you know, I'm not dropping F bombs. You know, I'm, I, I, I've always tried to be very professional in, in terms of the way I spoke to people. Doesn't mean I didn't lose my temper from time to time. Doesn't mean I didn't go off on people from time to time, but you'd never hear the kind of, you know, Nothing against truck drivers and sailors, but you'd never hear the kind of truck driver sailor language coming out of my mouth inside the halls of Turner Broadcasting that you would hear from Oli. And if that wasn't bad enough, because some people had just, most people had just gotten used to that. It was kind of, oh, well, that's just Oli. That's just Oli. That's just who Oli is. But there's a certain point, especially coming off of what we had gone through with Bill Watts 
and the microscope that we were under from a human resources perspective, the, oh, that's just Oli attitude was no longer going to fly. But because I liked Oli and because I didn't want to fire Oli, I put him where he belonged, which was in the power plant. Because Oli, much like Greg Gagne, um, was a good, he, he could teach. He was good at it. You know, there, there's a, there's a saying and I, I'll butcher it, so I'm not going to try to repeat it, but you know, some people can do things, you know, some people are really great at things and some people are great at teaching. You know, Oli wasn't ever considered a great wrestler. Sure. He had his moment in time when wrestling was what wrestling was as a regional territory. I'm not taking that away from Oli, but what Oli was best at was teaching. And I thought, okay, this is a guy that cannot live. And besides that, he was banging Sharon Sadella, which it's turned out, well, well turned, created all kinds of other issues because Sharon Sadella was such a political fucking animal. And, and Oli was doing everything he could to, to try to resurrect her hierarchy within WCW. I should have fired her right off. I should have fired her with Oli is what I should have done, but I didn't um, because she had some value. But Oli, I thought, you know what? I can't have him in the Turner offices, so I'm going to send him down to the power plant and do what he probably is best at, which is, you know, working with talent in that environment, which would have been a safer environment, corporately speaking, than than the halls, you know, the 14th floor of the CNN Center, which, you know, Oli was a square peg in a round hole in that environment. So rather than fire him, oh, by the way, and the incident that that really drove me to send him to, to the power plant was in his, because he couldn't stand the fact that, Oli couldn't stand the fact that talent was making so much money and was enjoying so much success because it was success and financial rewards that Oli never achieved. And he would, and look, a lot of that has to do with timing. I'm sure there are a lot of NFL players from back in the sixties and seventies. Those are still with us in the eighties that are probably just pissed that, you know, they weren't making the big money that, you know, NFL players today that most of us have never even heard of are making, but rather than just move on and be grateful for the opportunity that Oli had, you know, his frustration manifested itself. And like I said, horrible language in a corporate environment. And the, the straw that broke the camel's back was at one point he got into some kind of an argument or discussion and he got, he was yelling and screaming and motherfucking everybody. You could hear him, you know, three quarters of the way, you know, throughout the CNN center. And he got pissed off and punched a hole through a wall. That was it. No more corporate for you, dude. And I sent him down to the power plant for his own good. As well as thinking that he could really contribute there. All right, boys and girls, it's time for us to talk about something. Eric and I really, really love our pets. Uh, I'm a big dog guy. I've got two dogs here, ginger and baby. No, I didn't. Uh, these aren't my animals. I inherited them from my wife, but I love them just the same. And man, your dog, Nikki is like a superstar. You posted a picture the other day of your dog checking the freaking mail. And I showed Megan the picture and she said, that's not a real picture. I said, no, that's where Eric lives. And she's like, when can we go to Eric's house? <laughs> uh, the dog makes the photo and the backs get the, the landscape. I mean, this is such a big part of your life, Nikki, and your relationship. Fair to say it is in and you're right. By the way, Mrs. B took that picture while I was out of town uh, earlier this week, so I can't even take credit for taking that picture. Um, but yeah, you know, my dog Nikki, she's a she's a star. Um, 
probably more people follow me on social media because of my dog than because of me, which is cool. But yeah, she's a big, kidding aside, she's a really big part. My dog is with me 24 seven. If you know, when I'm home, um, she, she just won't leave my side. She'd follow me in the shower if I would let her. And the relationship I have with this dog, and I've had some great dogs in my life. Don't get me wrong. Some really great dogs, but for whatever reason, the relationship I have with this dog is like, it's different and at a much higher level than any relationship I've ever had with a dog. She is so much like a person and a member of this family. It's, I can't say it enough, but, and, and, you know, Conrad, you've been around Mrs. B and I long enough now, you know her pretty well. We're, we're into nutrition. We're into, and again, I'm 65 years old. I want to be around. I want to be, not just be around. I don't want to just be around. I want to be active. I mean, I'd like to be riding horses 20 years from now. And it's possible if you do the right things and you take care of yourself. And, you know, the older you get, the more you have to pay attention to those things. Because you can get away with things when you're in your 20s, your teens, certainly, in your 20s, and even your 30s. Your body will kind of forgive a lot of stupid shit. But as you get older, the cumulative effect of some of that stupid shit starts to manifest and starts showing up in ways that you didn't anticipate when you were in your teens and your 20s and your 30s. Well, the same thing is true with dogs. Only dogs is a dog's lifespan is accelerated by a multiple of seven years. You know, it's dog years, as they say. So if you've got a dog, you know, my dog Nikki, you know, for her, she's an Australian cattle dog, is is her breed. Typically, they have a lifespan of eh, 14 to 16 years. Maybe a little older sometimes, maybe a little less, unfortunately, sometimes. So if that's their lifespan, it's important to me, knowing what I know now, um, to do the things, including feeding my dog properly at her, you know, she's three now, and I've been feeding her very carefully, and I've been very selective about what I feed my dog, because dog food, pet food, but dog food in particular in this conversation, much like human food, man, if you're not careful what you eat, you don't know what you're putting in your mouth. You don't know how, how non-nutritious 80% of the food that we eat as humans is for you. And yeah, you get a lot of calories and it makes you feel good. And it may even taste good, but nutritionally for, especially now, you know, COVID, you know, immune systems, everybody's talking about underlying conditions. What are some of those underlying conditions in humans? Diabetes, self-inflicted, overweight, self-inflicted, heart issues, mostly self-inflicted. Um, so many, you know, COPD. Man, self-inflicted, emphysema, self-inflicted. So many of the diseases and the conditions we have today were number one, self-inflicted, but number two, exacerbated by the fact that we don't take care of ourselves because we don't we don't allow ourselves to 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 take advantage of the nutrients available to us because we eat garbage food. Well, if you think it's bad for humans, you have no idea how bad it is for pets because there's very little control over what goes into pet food. You don't know. And we become victims of marketing and advertising and it looks good. Gosh, it looks just like hamburger. It must be good for you. It's not necessarily. So I spent a lot of time doing the research, looking into the products and solid gold is a great great product. I feed it to my dog. My dog loves it, but I've spent a lot of time looking at the ingredients and doing the research of solid gold food, the probiotics, all of the things that it has in it that allows a dog's digestive system to not only function properly, but get the maximum amount of nutrients out of the food that they do eat. 
So it, I, I can't recommend it strongly enough. If you love your pet like I do and like Conrad does, if you care about nutrition for your pet, if you want your pet to not only live a long life, but a long active life, then please, please, I beg of you, take the time to do the research, read about Solid Gold and all the things it has to offer. And I think you'll probably feel as strongly about it as I do. And did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies? Solid Gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts that immune system and overall wellness of our pets. Solid Gold is the world's first holistic pet food company in America, started back in 1974 by Sissy McGill. She really was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted this male-dominated industry, but she created a natural pet food here before it was cool, and she was inspired by the fact that European pet food and the fact that European Great Danes lived longer than their American counterparts, and her first recipe has helped provide quality nutrition and digestive health for more than 20 generations of dogs. So we're talking about for more than 45 years, they really have revolutionized this holistic pet food category. And now they've got a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including whole grain and grain-free, wet food, supplements like sea meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. This is all from Solid Gold, by the way. And these Solid Gold foods are different because they cleanse your digestive system with the whole superfoods, balance with living probiotics, and fuel with omega-3 and six fatty acids, all supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out. But right now, because you listen to this show, you can go see the Solid Gold Deal of the Week at solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. Seriously, if you love your dog, go check out solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks to see the deal of the week. Remember, that's solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. Now, let's talk about Blackjack Mulligan. I helped Blackjack out. When I say helped him out, I gave Blackjack an opportunity at a time in his life when no one else would. And Blackjack was coming off some difficult challenges. And there were enough people around me that I trusted in in their opinions that suggested that Blackjack would be an asset down at the power plant. So I, I, I brought Blackjack in. I had a couple conversations with him. I liked him. I, I, I liked his perspective. And more importantly, I thought that it was a role that he could thrive in. So I brought Blackjack in. Now, I will say I think Blackjack was a very loyal person. And I think Blackjack was very grateful for the opportunity that I gave him because he needed it. And Oli, being the complete idiot that he was comes into the power plant. And the first thing he does is start ragging on me. And it had nothing to do with Frankie Anderson, it had nothing to do with Ole Anderson taking anybody and doing anything over there. Fuck that. Nobody in their right mind would think that that's true. It had nothing to do with any of that. Ole was just being Ole, like he would do almost every day. And he was motherfucking me to blackjack Mulligan. And Blackjack knocked him out. He didn't, Blackjack didn't pick up the phone and call me. I didn't have a bounty on anybody's head or offer money up 
or a pat on the back or any other type of encouragement to report back to me if anybody said anything bad about me. That is so much horseshit. It's just anybody that knows me that worked with me knows that that is horseshit. It's just not me. It never has been me. But Oli, because he was so fucking stupid and he was always trying to be the tough guy. He was always trying to be the tough guy. He couldn't let go of the fact that he was no longer the Ole Anderson the boss. that he was in the 70s and the 80s and the boss. He couldn't deal with that. And he walked into the power plant, started motherfucking me for who knows what reason. Probably because he got moved down to the power plant and he was no longer part of the corporate structure of WCW. And Blackjack didn't say a word. He just knocked him out with one punch. So much for big, bad Ole Anderson and tough guy Ole Anderson. He went down like a sack of shit, which is really what he was at that point, from one punch from Blackjack Mulligan. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But a number of people that were there <laughs> described what happened to me. And it was at that point I said, you know what? This guy's just not going to make it. I, I can't hide him. Where am I going to put this fucker where he's not going to do something that's going to cause me or WCW uh, further embarrassment or corporate Turner Broadcasting? And that's why I fired him. But, you know, rather than admit that to himself and say, much like I did moments ago when I, you know, clearly pointed out that my failure to achieve success in WWE was my fault. It wasn't Vince's fault or anybody else's. It was my fault. I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't have any inhibitions about admitting that, but Ole wasn't built that way. And in his frustration, he said the wrong thing to the wrong person who happened to be pretty loyal to me for the right reasons, I guess, and knocked him on his ass, knocked him out in front of everybody. He lost all of his credibility. And at that point, he, I, I, there was just nothing I could, I couldn't hide him anymore. That's the truth. Had nothing to do with anybody else. Had nothing to do with Greg Gagne or Jim Barnett. And what's really interesting, yeah, I did fire Jim Barnett, by the way. I'm not proud of that because I like Jim. But sometimes you have to make a decision. And Ole Anderson made it clear when whoever, the, I, I couldn't tell who was interviewing him, so I, I, I don't want to mention a name, but Rob whoever Feinstein. was in. Okay, Rob Feinstein. So when Rob said, "You, what did uh, what did Jim Barnett actually do in the office?" Oh, he says nothing. Guess what? That's why I fired him. I couldn't afford to keep him on payroll. I couldn't justify having, you know, Jim Barnett as much as many people liked him. You know, Jim was a fixture in WCW. I missed being able to because I would do it almost every morning when I would get to the office. More often than not, Jim would be there before me. He liked to get to the office. He had a driver. He'd get him to the office super early. And him and Gary Jester would be in there and talking about whatever him and Gary Jester talked about. The dirt, my boy. The dirt. And I, would, I got a kick out of that. And I would go in and I'd have coffee with Jim. I enjoyed Jim. But it got to a point where you can't afford to have somebody around as office furniture. And I don't mean that disrespectfully because at one point in, in, in the wrestling industry, Jim was a very important person, but much like Jerry Jarrett, that time had passed. Do you think, do you think Vince McMahon, given his relationship with Jerry Briscoe and as recently we know, WWE had to let Jerry go. 
not because he didn't respect Jerry, not because he didn't like Jerry. I think on a personal basis, Jerry Briscoe and Vince, I think Jerry Briscoe is probably as close as you can get outside of Vince McMahon, uh, Vince McMahon's family to saying he's a friend of Vince's. But at some point, you have to make tough decisions. And that was the tough decision that I had to make with Jim Barnett. It certainly had nothing to do with with Ole or the fact that Jim Barnett was saying anything that I would disagree with. Jim Barnett didn't say anything that anybody disagreed with. That's why he was able to stick around so long. He was the epitome of a political savant. And, 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 and that ability and awareness allowed Jim to stick around probably 10 years longer than he should have. But at some point, you just can't justify it. And it had nothing to do with Ole or any of the nonsense that Ole said. Well, we're not done with Ole. Ole's got an opinion as to why Eric succeeded in WCW. Let's take a listen. Your son, Brian, when yeah. he got into the business? Bryant. Bryant. B-R-Y-A-N-T. Were you uh, surprised that Eric Bischoff let him go so soon? No. Eric Bischoff is a piece of crap, in my opinion. Why is that? Because he is. He wrote a, uh, a letter to Turner, which got him his job which basically said he was running everything for Vern Gagne. Vern Gagne hired Eric Bischoff to the, to the same thing that I hired Eric Bischoff for. That was to do a little TV announcement and crap like that. But Eric Bischoff was smart enough to do something that I was incapable of doing, or didn't do, and that is suck ass. And he got a hold of this guy that I'm trying to remember, and I can't remember the goddamn guy's name is. Uh, he was the head of the, He was on the Turner's uh, board. Do you remember the first name? I'll probably get it if you say the first name. I can't remember the first name. Okay. Even. He's the only guy that you'll find. Uh, he was on the board, uh, Turner's right. board of directors. I'll find out. But keep on going. Anyway. Bill Shaw. Was it Bill Shaw? Bill Shaw. There you go. Bill Shaw. That's who it was. Well, Eric Bischoff, like I say, was busy every day or try to do every day, go to lunch with this boss. And he was always kissing somebody's butt. So what do you think? You're a kiss ass. who's a piece of shit who fired his son. It's, it's interesting how little bits and pieces of these ridiculous stories that these guys come up with. Now, Ole referred back to this letter that I presumably wrote to Ted Turner. Think about this, how a guy that's working for Vern Gagne in, in Minnesota who's flat on his back financially decides I'm going to write a letter to one of the most powerful people in media and talk about all the great things that I've done or I'm capable of doing. It's just absurd. The beginning of the story makes it absurd from, from the get go. It, it didn't happen that way at all. The way it happened was that I heard that WCW may be looking for an announcer. I was living in Minneapolis at the time. I had been doing AWA on ESPN five days a week from three to four central. So I had a fair amount of television presence at that time. And I went to an agent, a, a friend of mine who used to represent me in print and commercial acting. And her name was Stevie Kozacho. I said, Stevie, I'm desperate. I heard that these people are looking for some talent. I'm going to put together a demo tape. 
could you please get it to the right person at WCW? And by the way, that right person was Jim Hurd. I didn't even know who Bill Shaw was at the time. And I certainly didn't think I could write some letter extolling the virtues of all my abilities and talents and send it to Ted Turner and expect to get a response. That's just like the dumbest shit that I've ever heard. And I didn't know who Bill Shaw was. And by the way, Bill Shaw wasn't on the board of directors. Just point out another little flaw in that story. But I, I went to my agent friend, Stevie, and I got her a half inch tape and a resume. And my resume had nothing to do with anything other than my on-camera experience, because that's really all I did other than some basic grunt work in the post-production suite, just because I wanted to learn how shit worked. And I volunteered my time for that guy by the name of Joe Chupek and Mike Shields ran that department. I just tagged in because I wanted to see how it all came together, but I didn't reference any of that, you know, in, in my resume, I only used my on-camera, um, experience in examples within that demo tape. And Jim Hurd is the guy that hired me as a C-Squad announcer. It had nothing to do with Bill Shaw, and it had nothing to do with Ted Turner, number one. Now, after I had arrived in WCW, because Jim Hurd famously sat down with me and said, Ted, it's funny because uh, I was just talking to somebody, and I'm not going to mention the name yet. I'm not going to mention it. But I was talking to somebody the other day. I'll mention it next week. But I was talking to somebody the other day. He said, man, I never told you this story. This was someone who worked in WCW prior to me getting there. I'll never forget this story. Jim Hurd took me out to lunch because I'm going to hire this good-looking kid from Minnesota. And the only reason I'm going to hire him is because I want to piss off Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross paraphrasing, but something close to that, which by the way, is the same thing that Jim Hurd said to me after I had been down doing, you know, my demo tape for Jim specifically with diamond Dallas page in the post-production area of WCW down in the basement or the lower level of CNN center. They came in, they flew me in. I did my audition. They edited that tape together. They ran it up to Jim Hurd. I went over to one of the restaurants in the CNN center. I waited about an hour and a half or two hours. I finally got a phone call and a message or a text or something to come up and meet with Jim Hurd. And I did. And that's when I was hired. I didn't know who Bill Shaw was at that time. I didn't know who Bill Shaw was until, um, oh God, Buckethead, Bill Watts. <laughs> I, was, I, I didn't really know who Bill Shaw was or his role in the company until Bill Watts was fired and Bill Shaw came in and laid down the law. And by that time I was on my way out the door. I was looking for another gig because I was miserable and I didn't see a future for WCW and the wheels were falling off. It was losing millions and millions and millions of dollars year after year after year. And none of these fucking wrestling geniuses like Ole Anderson or anybody else could figure out how to make it work. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do here? I've got to look for another gig because this isn't going to work out. I was on my way out the door. Bill Shaw came in and said, this is what we're going to do. We're looking for an executive producer. We want somebody in charge of television that actually is looking at it from a television television perspective and not a 1970s wrestling perspective like Ole Anderson, like Bill Watts, like Greg Gagne. Jerry Jarrett, I don't think he was even in the 70s. I think he was still living in the 60s at that time. None of these geniuses who knew so much and had the key to the wrestling kingdom and all you had to do was pointing, point them to the door and they would pull out their magic key and he would turn the lock and the <laughs> world would open up in front of them and wrestling would be successful again if only you would give them the opportunity. The problem is none of them had a fucking idea. 
their ideas were the same. They each had the same idea. We ought to go back, you know, 19. I remember back when we were running Memphis, you know, that shit didn't work. It didn't fly. And none of, none of anything that Oli said was true. I almost feel sorry for Oli at this point. You know, I, I don't know if he's healthy anymore. I don't even know if he's still alive anymore, but he, he wasn't a clear thinking individual when he was at his peak. And he certainly doesn't sound coherent in this interview. Well, it's time for our main event, boys and girls. I'm so excited about this one. You've uh, been expecting this from the moment we announced our very first Eric fires back and We've got several clips. We won't get to all of them. We'll probably just do one or two. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, our main event, Vince Russo on how Eric Bischoff treated other people. Eric Bischoff, bro. Every single day that I worked with the man was the most miserable day in my life. I never enjoyed it. I hated it. I never liked Eric as a human being. And a lot of that had to do with bro had nothing to do with wrestling, had nothing to do with his psychology or his ideas. I did not like the way Eric treated other people. I did not like the way he treated a lot of the people I worked with. I did not like the way he treated my friends. He was the most arrogant man I had ever met in my entire life. And him and I were oil and vinegar. And that's where Dixie Carter was clueless once again. There was a history that the two of us were forced together to work together at WCW. Okay. And, and what came out of that? Bash at the beach. Now, Dixie Carter knows, okay, there's a history of Russo and Bischoff working together. It didn't work. It was bad news. What does she do? She hires Bischoff without telling me, thinking in her wildest imaginations that all of a sudden in round two, Russo and Bischoff are going to be able to work together when, when that was impossible from the start. So to answer your question, I much rather would have worked with Bruce Pritchard because at least Bruce Pritchard treated people with respect and didn't think he was better than everybody else and his crap didn't stink. So I, 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 I definitely would have preferred to work with Bruce. So let's show everybody that Russo's wrong and let you be nice about Russo here for a minute. Cause you're not mean to people. <laughs> I generally am not. No, I know you that. Know, I was any, being facetious. Any, anybody, anybody that's ever really worked with me. I mean, you, you talk to people that have spent any real time working with me. Uh, have, have I always been, you know, the, the nicest guy in the world? Probably not have, but to, to suggest that I, in a blanket way, treat people with disrespect is, is first of all, it's just flat out wrong. And anybody that knows me knows that that's not true. Um, listening to Russo and that's probably the longest Vince Russo diatribe I've heard since I left TNA. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've got post-traumatic Russo disorder right now because just hearing that guy talk is just like fingernails on a chalkboard. It's painful. Now let's, let's call it like it is. I mean, or tell it like it is. Dixie wanted Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan wasn't going to go to TNA unless I was there to watch 
over Hulk's creative. Hulk knew that Vince Russo was a clown and an imposter, and there was no way Hulk Hogan was going to go to TNA and put his career or what was left of it at that point, especially at that point, because you don't want to end your career on a negative note. And nobody trusted, nobody that knew Vince Russo trusted him. The people that trusted Vince Russo were the people that he could manipulate, the people that bought into his shit, who thought that Vince Russo was going to give them the opportunity that nobody else would. Vince Russo played to the lowest common denominator. That's how he 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 galvanized whatever political uh, power that he had. He he galvanized that power by kind of aggregating all of the misfits. Not no pun intended to the to the character gimmick, but the people who aspired to to get to the top without necessarily having to get over and actually perform and prove themselves. They just wanted, you know, a Vince Russo opportunity. And you can go back and look at all of the things that he did in TNA and look at the things he did. Look at WCW. Look at WCW under Russo's tenure. You tell me, you know, if Vince Russo deserved to be in that spot or deserved that opportunity. There's a reason. Look, it's clear. Again, just whether you believe me, whether you believe half of what I say, or whether you think I'm full of shit, it doesn't matter to me at this point in my life. I really do not give a fuck. But under any of those circumstances, step back and ask yourself, why would Turner Broadcasting, who unceremoniously not only sent me home, but stroked me a check for a million dollars in the process, of sending me home eventually, why would they turn around and hire me back less than three or four months later? Why would they, what, can you imagine those discussions? Here's this guy who, Eric Bischoff, who did what he did at WCW for better or worse. They decided it was for worse on September 9th, on September 10th, 1999. And they sent me home. And then a couple weeks later, a month later, whatever it was, they brought in Vince Russo because he came in with this, did this, and I, I created the rock and I created Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, 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 he's a great salesman. He's a great salesman. And he convinced desperate people that he was the guy that could bring WCW back to the heights that I created. Not Ole Anderson, not Bill Watts, not anybody else that came before me, only me. But Vince Russo was the guy that was going to just, he had that magic key. He was that guy. He spent about 90 days there and Brad Siegel went, oh shit. I think I've made not just one big mistake by letting Eric out. Now I've made another one by bringing this knucklehead in. And that's what that was the catalyst for Brad Siegel calling me three months or so after he, they let me go and made me another deal for another million dollars to come back. Do you think anybody would have approved that? All the people that were involved, when I say all the people, it was an executive committee thing. And I'm sure there were people in the finance department that had a lot to do with it. But whoever was involved in that, can you imagine I'm saying to this as well, we just wrote this guy a check for a million dollars. Now we got to write him another check. And oh, by the way, he wants a two movie or three movie put commitment, meaning they're going to have to pay me or play me on these three movies, whether they buy them or not. Do you think they would have done that if they would have had any confidence whatsoever in Vince Russo? You think they would have done that 
had they not looked under the hood and realized they bought nothing but a bucket of bolts because there was nothing there. And of course, Vince Russo didn't like working with me because I challenged him. You have to, if you can't challenge the people that you're in a creative process with, as well as get challenged, if you can't stand up to that, then you can't be in a creative process. Vince Russo liked to be in a little room by himself and live out his own little wrestling fantasies and expected everybody else to jump on board and go, wow, that's a great idea. Viagra on a pole match. Oh, wow, Vince, you're a fucking genius. I mean, the, the stupid shit that came out of Vince Russo's head is what buried Vince Russo. Not me, not Dixie Carter. I mean, all you got to do is look at Vince Russo's track record. Every time he got challenged, he took his ball and went home. He had a fucking nervous breakdown. He was an emotional basket case. He had a constitution like a fucking eggshell. And the minute you challenged him on the logic or the creativity of anything that he would propose, he cracked like an egg because he's a weak individual. He's weak intellectually. He's even weaker creatively. And look, he's a well-documented liar. You just go back and look at the lies and the nonsense and the trouble that Vince got himself in with his fucking mouth. And I don't really have to add much to that. Anybody that's really paid close attention to Vince Russo and the in in his track record, his real track record, not the not the narrative that he tried to create, but the real track record of Vince Russo when he was on his own. He had, there was nothing there. And yeah, Dixie Dixie had no choice. She didn't want to bring me in. She wanted to bring Hulk Hogan in. I got Jimmy Harded into the deal. <laughs> I've said it before, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say it. Dixie didn't want somebody in there with a strong personality that had some success that had a different view of things. Dixie Carter wanted to be the female Vince McMahon and bringing somebody like me in was probably not something she really wanted to do, but she had no choice. If she wanted Hulk, she got me. And my job was only to oversee Hulk's creative, not to work with Vince Russo on anything other than Hulk's creative. And to that extent, I didn't even have to work with Vince Russo. I could have come up with the creative. I didn't have to work with him. So, you know, whatever his bitch is with Dixie, that's between him and Dixie. But, you know, to, for, for, for Russo to suggest that I treated people badly, I would encourage anybody, you know, that believes that to be true to, you know, Take a little poll with some people that worked with me for more than a year or six months who really work close with, closely. Ask Tony Schiavone about it. I mean, Tony, Tony and I weren't close friends in WCW. You know, talk to Keith Mitchell about it. You know, talk to, to David Crockett about it. You know, talk to Janie Engel about it. Talk to people who actually worked with me. Um, and, and not some frustrated, disenfranchised, you know, pissed off wrestler who didn't get the opportunity that he or she thought they deserved and have resented it and just re repeat the common narrative. But people that actually worked with me, I'm sorry. It's just such bullshit. But look, I'll say the same thing to Vince Rousseau that I say to everybody, everybody else. Do whatever you need to do. Believe whatever you need to believe to get through your day because you're a miserable, unaccomplished, never will be accomplished individual that has to hang on to whatever story you can tell yourself and others to try to make yourself feel better about being the miserable failure that you are.
Well, um, as if he wasn't already dead, we've got one more clip I need to play. That's pretty topical. Well, more topical. He had a lot to say, he being Vince Russo, pronouns pal, when uh, your most recent run with WWE came to an end about a year ago. Uh, here's two minutes and three seconds, and that's all you have to hear of Vince Russo today. This is our last clip, Eric. Here we go. No, I, I bro, I, I was surprised it was that short. I mean, there's no question in my mind. But, bro, he, he, here's a perfect example, and I'm telling you by experience. Bro, you hear about this, you know, Eric talks about it all the time. The great relationship he has with Bruce. Him him and Bruce are best buds and their wives hang out. Yeah, guess what, Eric? I've been there too. Okay, me and my wife hung out with Bruce and his wife. Bruce had my family over his house. I went down that same road. But this is how it works, Hannibal. This is how it works. If Vince McMahon had one negative thought about Eric Bischoff and brought it up to Bruce Pritchard, forget it. Game over, bro. Because Bruce would jump on that horse's back, bro. Bruce would take that one little issue that Vince had with Eric. He would blow it up, bro. And the next thing you know... Eric, who believes Bruce is his best friend, is now on the outside looking in. That's how it works, bro, especially when it comes to those two guys. So did the amount of time surprise me, bro? I did not think it was going to happen in 83 days. Would it have eventually happened Absolutely, bro, without a doubt, because all people like that care about is power. That's all they care about, bro. Power, money, position, where they sit with Vince, that's all they care about. So, bro, they slowly but surely, it's like a big chess game, and everybody's taking the other guy out. That, that's why, bro, like I, I could not exist in that world. A lot to say about you, a lot to say about Bruce. Your response? I, you know, it's hard to comment on that level of nonsense. I mean, I, I, Vince wasn't there, Russo. He has no idea what he's talking about. And I guess he's giving his opinion and he was asked his opinion, you know, was he surprised, you know, that my, my, my stretch. And by the way, it wasn't 83 days. That was the name of the, the ad free shows thing. It was more like 120. If we're going to be accurate, it was about four months, close to five, whatever it was. doesn't matter in this context to, and I guess what Rousseau was trying to say, it's hard to tell, but what he was trying to say, it was really because Bruce Turned on me. Yeah. I mean, that's what I took from that. Yeah. That Bruce sold you out and took the, the first inclination that Vince wasn't happy with something you did rather than try to have your back. Bruce just buried you. That's what Russo uh, thinks happened. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's just absurd. It didn't work much. Like I said, I didn't know you were going to play this clip. By the way, those of you that are listening to this, I asked Conrad not to send me these things in advance. 
I don't want to have prepared statements. I don't want to sit for two days and, you know, respond to these things in a way that I think is going to get me over and, you know, prove my point. I'm, I'm reacting to these things. And a lot of them, most of them, almost all of them I've never heard before. So, you know, this one is leaving me a little flat footed. So I guess, again, just to try to figure this out in my own head, Russo's opinion was, well, it surprised me that he didn't last as long as he did because the minute Vince said something negative, Russo or Pritchard uh, jumped all over it and buried me and, and, and was the catalyst for my departure. It's just not true. Bruce was the guy that w- suggested me in the first place. And I guess if you subscribe to the Vince Russo theory of life, that wouldn't have made too much difference. You know, Pritchard would have said, hey, how about Eric? And Vince would have said, okay, let's give that a shot. And I would have gone in. I went through the process. And then at some point, Vince went, man, I don't know. Was this a good decision? And then evidently, Bruce said, God damn, I, I grieve. I thought he had more on the – I mean, I, that scenario is just so absurd. Look, Bruce was – Bruce and I barely worked together while I was in – WWE on my last stretch. Bruce was in the middle of a move. Bruce had some other serious personal issues going on at that time. Bruce was in the middle of a big transition in terms of getting out of Houston and getting to um, Stanford full-time. So Bruce and I very rarely had an opportunity to work together, very rarely. Um. To suggest that somehow it's Bruce's fault that I got let go as quick as I did is just, oh man, I don't even know what to say to that. It's so stupid. I didn't work out in WWE because I didn't work out in WWE. Not because Bruce buried me, not because Vince McMahon's an asshole, not for any other reason. It was a chemistry issue. The chemistry wasn't there. It wasn't the right environment for me. It had nothing to do with anybody but me. So for, for Russo to, you know, put the heat on, on Pritchard and try to suggest that, you know, I, I guess I'm not very good at picking my friends. <laughs> That's the only thing I can take away from that is about as childish as anything I've ever heard Russo say. And that's a lot. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode or this month's episode of uh, Eric fires back. We've got some fun stuff planned coming later this week. Eric, we haven't talked about this, but I have confirmed that our big announcement, uh, the, the little secret thing we've been working on that we've been holding back, uh, the mainstream media wants in on the gag. So sports illustrated is going to break it this Friday morning. So all of our friends here on ad free shows will know, uh, what we've been working on behind the scenes this Friday morning, and it's coming your way next month. Uh, November is going to be fun here on adfreeshows.com. Is it not Eric? It is. I'm looking forward to it. And you know, to kick it off Friday night, you know, with our all Hallows Eve, are we, are we calling it that? Because we don't want to get into a trademark dispute with WWE. Yeah. It's ha- we- Hallows Eve havoc. Hallows Eve havoc. It is confusingly similar. You might want to talk to Dawkins about that <laughs> if you haven't already. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Uh, thankfully the, uh, one of our, one of our co-hosts, one of our, our foundation, one of our building blocks of adfreeshows.com. Happens to spend 21 hours a day with Vince McMahon. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, but can we trust him? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because, because according to Russo, if Vince McMahon says, Hey, how come they're calling this shit all Hallows Eve havoc? And, and Bruce goes, I don't, I don't know. Well, next thing you know, Jerry McDivitt's going to be camping out at your place in Huntsville. 
Well, I got room. Come on down, Mr. McDivitt. I'm excited, man. Hallow's Eve Havoc, little costume party, little spin the wheel, make the deal. And we'll be talking about uh, our new uh, our new wrinkle that we're adding. We're announcing all new shows all week this week, too. Uh, later this week, believe it or not, I'm going to catch up with both Mike Kyoto and a great friend of the show, Jerry Briscoe. We're going to start putting some Mailbag Monday stuff in the can. So much bonus stuff coming your way. November is going to be tremendous. And, uh, we, we want your feedback. We would, we appreciate your patronage. We want to know what you want to see more of what you want to see less of. If you've got any ideas for content, please drop it in the comments below. Evan will harvest all that, get it over to us. And Eric, one of the things you and I are, are going to start working on along with our pal, Jim Ross is I can't believe this is finally happening. A little bit of a cooking show. We've sort of freestyled. The name might be the getting heat show. The idea is you and I and Jim Ross will wear out some grills. So why not? Share some of our silly recipes. Maybe use some of JR seasoning and barbecue sauce. This is going to be fun. I know I'm actually building out a, and I don't want to make it, I don't, I don't want to raise expectations too high, but I'm actually building out a small little studio space inside of my garage so that I can grill all winter long, even as in the sub zero Wyoming weather. So I'm actually looking forward to that. Besides Mrs. B is a great cook. We both love to cook. It's what we do on the weekends, you know, try new recipes, experiment with different things. Sometimes it turns out, sometimes it doesn't, but we love doing that. That's kind of our, our hobby. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I am too. It's all happening at ad free shows and it's all happening because of you guys. We greatly appreciate your support. Can't really properly convey how much it means to me and Eric and our families and all our other co-hosts and their families. Uh, we're doing our best to, uh, make your short list of must haves as a wrestling fan. Our goal one day is for you to say, man, if you're a wrestling fan, you've got to have the WWE network. And if you're like me, you've got to have the wrestling observer. Maybe not if you're like Eric, no, but, you, but you've also got to have adfreeshows.com. I think those three things are just going to be peas in a pod, or at least that's what we're striving for. And. Well, maybe Eric would say, get the impact plus app and leave the observer alone. There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he is at E Bischoff. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you real soon here with more extra content on adfreeshows.com. Perhaps the best way to introduce a friend to 83 weeks is to direct them to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button right now. It's totally free. You'll get a sneak peek of upcoming shows, plus some exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. And perhaps best of all, some great new giveaways coming your way absolutely for free. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and be sure to check out the shirts over at ericbischoff.com. If it's been a while, we need to remind you we're adding new ones all the time. Plus there's tons of new gimmicks at boxofgimmicks.com. Like right now we have some of Dave Silva's cover art on posters Lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the 83 weeks community. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Of course, ericbischoff.com and who could forget boxofgimmicks.com. And Hey, if you'd like to advertise your product or service here on the show and hear Eric Bischoff brag about you or your business, it's easy to make that happen. Just go to advertisewithconrad.com. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did. There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate Steven Singer, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Well, Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. 
And don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he recently kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate fast, free and safe shipping. It's Steven Singer jewelers. That's I hate John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.